Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. You can listen to our show commercial free. All your favorite ESPN radio shows without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. Lots going on here. The assembled members of the hashtag crew are uh, surrounding me. We got a lot of things I want to get to. Um, and, and we're going to have Marshall Falk in this hour as well. But here's what just happened. Nuno, here's what just happened. Uh, and, and many people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring these up to Bubba because many of you may not know this. Uh, but Bubba, before his career in radio broadcasting, had a, a long and, and, and almost legendary career as a Hollywood cinematographer. Mm-hmm. He was a, a brilliant uh, camera man and, and uh, you know, designed the shoots. I mean, did huge films, Don't right? sell him short. Don't no. sell him short. Yeah. He did much more than that. No, he did that. But he, he was a cinematographer. That was I've been nominated for multiple Oscars <laughs> for best cinematographer and all of that kind of stuff. So he understands film. So they just announced the nominees for Best Picture. Now, here's the thing. I was a movie person at one point in my life. I I have not seen – once my kids were born, I sort of stopped seeing most movies. And my hours, I think, on the old show had a lot to do with that. And now, like, I like going to a movie theater. But all these movies now, like, are on your house, right? Like, they come to the Amazon or whatever it is. So they're almost never in theaters. So what I'm trying to tell you is I have seen zero of the ten movies that are nominated for Best Picture. Have you seen any of them? I've seen none of these. And wait, your, your movie was not nominated for this? No. I, I assumed that it would be. Oh, the, the movie I was in? Yeah. Yeah, what was that again? I don't it remember the, the football of, movie. Yeah, oh, that's the name of, that yeah. was the name of it. No, that wasn't the name huh. of it, but that's what it was. Oh, oh. It was called National Champions. Oh, yes. I went to, I went to go watch it. We did, my wife and I decided it was a bit too expensive, so we're going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to wait till it's $3. It, it did not, uh, that did not get nominated. In fact, I hadn't even thought of that. But here's the point. <laughs> of the 10 movies that are nominated for Best Picture, there's only one, two, three of them that I even know what they're about. Like, there's only three of them I've ever heard of. Like, what is the movie Drive My Car? Like, is that, is that a documentary about when the Beatles wrote the song Drive My Car? It's not a real song. I mean, it's a real song, and it's a real movie. I have, is this a documentary? Like, I don't even know what this is about. What are these movies? There's a movie that is nominated for Best Picture called The Power of the Dog. What is that? I mean, there's, there's, what am I missing here, Bubba? Have you seen The Power of the Dog? Oh, yeah, of course. You yeah. did. You saw The Power of the Dog? What's mm-hmm. that about? Yeah. Well, it's, it's is that a about ch- a very strong dog? Yeah, it's a children's movie, and uh, it's kind of like a mystery thing, and uh-huh. uh, they're trying to solve um, some crimes, and it's actually the dog ends up being kind of like the detective. Right. And the dog <laughs> sniffs out the- yeah. The, the 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 culprits and it's actually that's why it's the power of the dog and and it's, it's I mean that sounds like the kind of movie they nominate for Oscars all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> let me ask you this have you seen a movie called Licorice Pizza oh of course yeah that was a great one what's that about oh that one that was pretty good it was okay yeah so that one uh, I think that one was set in uh, Iowa if I recall that one they were having like. 
they were having like a pizza contest, mm-hmm. you know. You would think they would be having uh, corn, but they weren't. They were doing a pizza contest. Right. And, uh, you know, they were, these, these people, this one family always won the contest every single year. And then there was this other family who was having an upstart, <laughs> uh, upstart pizza con- They wanted to win it. And they yeah. were like, what should we do this year to win? What can we possibly do to win? This, you know, the... The the Goldsteins always win. What can we possibly do? I'm, I'm sick of these guys winning. So, so this other family, this, this other family, the Silversteins, no, the, the Goldsteins in Iowa. Yeah, the yeah. legendary Iowa Goldstein Pizza family. Right. This other family, the Shapiro's, came up and they said, "I got it. We're going to put licorice on our pizza." Ah. And they did it, and they ended up winning. So it was like it was a very dramatic ending. They came the first time they won the Iowa Pizza Contest in like seventy years. Yeah, they upset, upset the Goldstein. <laughs> it was great. So this is this is obviously a, a, a contest that is traditionally dominated by the Jews in Iowa. <laughs> It's a very underreported story. I thought Licorice Pizza was a movie about the things that Nuno stopped eating when he lost all of that weight. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, we won't dive too much more deeply into the Oscars because I have other things I want to get to, but it is uh, somewhat remarkable to me that I don't know what it says about me. I've reached a point now. I only know what three of them are about. I know what King Richard is about, right? That's about Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Uh, Will Smith plays him, right? I didn't see it, but I know what it's about. I know what Don't Look Up is about. That's the movie that's about... Um, uh, global, global warming? warming with like Leonardo DiCaprio in it, uh, Leonard DiCaprio as Chris Russo calls Leonard him. DiCaprio. And then there was one more that I know what it's. Oh, West Side Story. I know what that is, of course. So, but that's I don't even know what these movies are that are being nominated. So that's I don't know if that says more about me or more about the movies. Next order of business that I want to get to here is a very interesting tweet from Dick Vitale. Now, I will confess that I did not see this happen, nor. Was I even aware it happened until this morning? And here's why. So Duke and Carolina played each other on Saturday uh, at Ch- in Chapel Hill at the Dean Dome. Yeah. And it was the last game for Coach K in that arena. And it was on ESPN. We made a very big deal out of it. We promoted it all week. And it's a very big game. I was in this building that night because we had NBA on ABC that night. So the game was kind of on, uh, on a monitor. And I would glance up every once in a while. And Duke was killing them, like right from the very beginning. But I was not able to watch the game with the sound or anything because, you know, we're getting ready to do our own show. So it was not until this morning that I was made aware that there were profane chants from the fans, from the stands, whether it was the students, I guess, or not, uh, exclusively. But Dick Vitale tweeted, the profanity at the North Carolina Duke game was a disgrace. The F Coach K chants were classless. No place for that. I know UNC is better than that. It was pathetic. And as uh, I think John Feinstein said, Dean Smith would have never tolerated it. I did not hear this. Did you hear it, Hembo? Yes, and I watched the video again this morning. It's up on Twitter. So describe it, uh, you know, in a a clean version of it. Is it very noticeable? And the fans are just chanting F Coach K? Yes, it's very noticeable. Bleep Coach K, bleep Coach K. Okay. You can't miss it. Okay. And and was anything said about it, to your knowledge, on the telecast? Like, did Billis or anyone It was not not addressed that I saw. Okay. But it was obvious that it was happening. Okay. So, uh, Nuno and Bubba, uh, we, I want everyone involved in this conversation. Um, and my, my question to you would be, do you, first off, Nuno, do you agree with Dick Vitale that a line is crossed with the fans in that building chanting a profanity at Coach K? Is that okay with you? Is, is, is that, you know, all's fair in love and sports? Or do you have a problem with it, Nuno? See, 
I can't. I was thinking that I do have a problem with it, but then I remember the what the Knicks fans did to Trey uh, to Trey Young, right? There was the same thing that they yeah. did during the playoffs, and I think you know it was a playful you know manner and so forth. So I mean, at the end of the day, I think sometimes we just overreact to some of these things. Okay, fair enough. Does the fact that it was his last game there in this legendary career and this legendary rivalry factor into your thinking on it at all? No. Uh, goodbye. So long. Farewell. See you. Okay. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, would you view the chant differently if it were at any other, if, if it was last year or the year before, any of the other, whatever it is, 30 years that he's been coaching there? So the, the fact that they were chanting at him and showing that level of disrespect in his final game does not sway your thinking one way or the other. No, it's just a bunch of kids who thought they were clever, and this is what you get. But is that clever? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean there are a lot of clever, clever ways to, 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 to heckle someone. I don't know that, that that's probably the least clever of them all, <laughs> if you stop and think about it, right? It doesn't require a lot of cleverness. Uh, let me come to Bubba on this. Uh, Bubba, do you have an issue with the fans chanting bleep Coach K during this game, his last game, in Chapel Hill. Uh, yeah, I guess I would be the complete opposite of Nuno. I don't think you should be, you know, having chants that involve swears at games. I don't think they should have done it there. I don't think they should. I didn't, I didn't like it when they did it at the Knicks game with this Trey Young. I, I understand having someone who went to many Red Sox-Yankees games, Cowboys-Giants games, a lot of crazy rivalry games as a kid. You're going to hear some things at the games just around you, which is fine. I get that. But you shouldn't hear 20,000 people mm. just screaming profanities. I think, I mean, what, what, are we in a society or what's going on here? I, I, to me, I think it's ridiculous. I don't understand why it's just, it's just become normal to just scream out swears now and just say blank Coach K or blank Trey Young or blank whatever. To me, I think it's ridiculous. And to the point of being clever, that's kind of the whole fun of what it was is people would come up with clever chants or fun things that actually were, were smart and, and, and witty and fun. Now it's, it's like the lowest level of, of you know, of mm. a chance. Like, oh, good one. That's real original. Like, yeah, I don't like it at all. I, I think they should stop it. And, yes, I, I fully understand you're going to hear profanity within the game, but it's going to be just kind of in your general area. And if one person yells out, uh, Coach K, you know, F you, whatever, that, that is what it is. But I don't like 20,000 people swearing at any point. I think it's, you know, it's ridiculous. I'm going to pause on that thought, and I'm going to come back. I want to talk more about this. I also want to remind you about the ESPN Daily Podcast, which brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of our hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. There's one very, very important piece of this story. That we have not yet addressed, but we will in a moment. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful 
for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. All right, Greeny on ESPN Radio. Uh, we are live uh, from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'll get back to where we were in a second, but we have a pretty big news here. There's been a pretty significant NBA trade, um, and it involves C.J. McCollum has been traded from Portland to New Orleans. And if you haven't been paying attention to the rumors of that for the last 24 hours, you might be saying New Orleans. But yeah, the Pelicans, here's a dirty little secret that no one is paying any attention to. And I will confess, if I wasn't hosting the NBA show right now, I might not be noticing either. The Pelicans are good. The Pelicans started this season 1-12. and a lot of that time they were playing without Brandon Ingram. Since he came back, they're a 500 team playing without Zion. Mm. And Brandon Ingram is a legit star. Like, he is a legit, upper echelon, excellent NBA player. And now they bring in McCollum. That's an interesting team. Should Zion ever come back? And I, I think there are real questions about what is going to happen with that and with him. And what a terrible shame that would be if he's really never able to do practically anything. But if he is, which again, I don't know that it feels like the likelier of the two scenarios, but if he is with him and Ingram and now C.J. McCollum, some of the other good young players, who'd they trade? They traded Josh Hart, I saw in this deal. And who else went in this deal? It, it's, a, it's a smorgasbord. It's a lot of people. Yeah. But, but, but so one way or another, I'm telling you, that's a team to watch. And, and, and obviously this also, and we talked about this on Countdown Woj and I a couple of weeks ago when the Trailblazers hired their new general manager, um, that it was only a matter of time before they started thinking about just tearing everything down and starting over. Mm-hmm. So McCollum gets traded now. The question is, what winds up happening with Dame Lillard? That's the real question. That's what Philadelphia wants to know. Because if, if, if this James Harden thing does not work out, Lillard has been number one on our list for the last year. You wonder if they're going to start this teardown, if that might be the next shoe to drop. Here's what I can tell you weeks ago. M- more than that now. It's probably months ago. Stephen A. Smith told me, and th- again, this may not apply. I want to preface this by saying this was something he said on the air. This isn't, um, I'm not telling you anything that wasn't available on the air. It just, the circumstances may have changed over the two months or whatever it was since he said this. He said that if Lillard wa- was going to get traded out of Portland, he wanted to go to the Knicks. Mm. That's where he wanted to go. And that the people in his inner circle were trying to talk him into wanting to go to Philadelphia. They were trying to tell him Philly is the place you want to go. That gives you your best chance. He wants for war, wanted for whatever reason to go to the Knicks. Now, this was at a time when I think the narrative on the Knicks was they're a pretty good young team with some good pieces and a good coach. Sort of the last year narrative Mm. on the Knicks, not the disastrous this year (laughs) narrative on the Knicks. So we'll see how that winds up going. One way or another, 
McCollum traded to New Orleans. It's interesting, and, and it just happened here. So as I've told you, anytime there's any kind of breaking news of consequence in sports, you're going to hear it immediately here on this program. Uh, the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Back to what we were talking about. The fans in Nor- at North Carolina in Coach K's last game there on Saturday were chanting F Coach K. And Dick Vitale took exception to it. Nuno didn't have a problem with it. Bubba has a big problem with it. Hembo, do you have a problem with it? Yes, I have a big problem with it. And I'm, I'm a Philadelphia fan. Like, we don't believe any of the rules apply to us. But even so, this is, in my opinion at least, inarguably wrong. If you are a fan at, at, at a Carolina game and you're chanting with a bunch of other people, F Coach K, you... You are the lowest common denominator. To me, it's absolutely ridiculous. For, I mean, if it, look, I'm, I'm no Pollyanna. Like, I've sworn many times in my life and at sporting events. But this affects the product on TV. Like, if I'm a father, I don't want my, I don't have to put the game on mute. Are you kidding? Like, to, I'm with Bubba on this. Um, and I agree with Dick Vitale entirely. The fact that it was Coach K's last game does make a bit of a difference to me. Sort of left a, sorry t- uh, uh, a taste in my mouth I did not like. And the fact that he just blew them out, I think was honestly the right way for that game to end. Yeah, so there's a lot to this. And when, if you were just joining us, I prefaced this conversation by saying, normally I would have watched that game. But we had NBA that night on ABC, and so we were getting ready for our show. So the game was on on a monitor, and I, I glanced up every now and again. I saw Duke was blowing them out. But I didn't even know this happened until you showed me this tweet from Dick EV this mm. morning. And so I, I, I need to ask the question, did Hubert Davis address this at all in any way? He is the coach of North Carolina, for those who don't know, because one of the things that Dick EV said is Dean Smith would never have allowed this. And I agree with that. I do not think that Coach K would tolerate this. Now, at Duke, they have these creative chants, right? They, they chant, like, funny, creative, interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, people hate them and whatever that case may be. But they don't just sit there and chant, you know, bleep, you know, <laughs> Hubert Davis or Dean Smith or whatever. I also do think it is relevant that this was Coach K's last game. I remember watching, I know that this is not apples to apples. But I remember watching Derek Jeter get cheered loudly at Fenway Park in his last game there. I have seen great players, the historically great ones, be cheered almost more loudly in their final games against their arch rivals than at home. Mm. As a demonstration of, yeah, I wanted, I wanted more than anything to beat you, but that is with respect. So if I'm a Jet fan, I'm booing Tom Brady every single time he sets foot on the field against me, but... If it's his last game against us, and I know it's his last game, I'm going to give him a respectful cheer. Hmm. I'm not suggesting I root for him, but I'm not going to sit there and chant. You know, I wouldn't do that either. So I think that is important. I have many times in my life, particularly at collegiate events, heard coaches get on the microphone to the house and say, knock that off. And so I don't want to sit here and be critical of Hubert. Because for all I know, he may have done something like that. Do we have any knowledge of that? Do we know if he, if he got involved in any way? No. I read a few local newspaper accounts this yeah. morning. Um, the reason I think the answer is no is because it was suggested by a couple of writers that he should have done so. Okay, fair and the enough. Other so compla- he didn't. And yeah. the other complaint was that UNC did almost nothing to acknowledge that it was Coach K's last game. In fact, they had their own thing at halftime involving Roy Williams. So that was another piece of this that people were complaining about. Yeah. Um, yes, I think that I, I, I have to tell you, I agree with those who were complaining about that. 
I think there is a level of look. This is this is rivalry at its utmost. I also do think it is relevant that these are collegiate games. This is not the Knicks chant the Nick fans chanting at Trey Young. There is something different about a college game. There is something different about the level of behavior that I think is reasonable to expect there. Now, in order to say this, I have to first confess when I was a student at Northwestern University in the 80s, I went to every home basketball game, practically every one. Now, they've redone the arena at Northwestern, and so now the student sections are, there are two of them, and they're behind the baskets. But when I went to school there, there was one student section, and it was directly behind the visitor's bench. And the Big Ten was epic when I went to college. In two of my four years in college, a Big Ten team won the national championship. Indiana won it with Bob Knight my sophomore year, and Michigan won it. That was the legendary, a Michigan man is going to coach Michigan year in 89. That was my senior year. And, I mean, they had legendary coaches in the conference. Judd Heathcote was coaching Michigan State, and I could go on and on. Gary Williams was at Ohio State, and, I mean, there were, you know, Bob Knight and Gene Cady and all these legendary coaches, Lou Henson. And I will confess that sitting there in the stands, in, in my seat, as these games went on, if they were yelling at the ref, if it was close or whatever, I'm sure I yelled many things at those coaches that I would be mortified by now. <laughs> mortified. Um. But I do think there's something different behind between yell, a fan yelling something at the ref or yelling something at the opposing coach or a player versus an organized chant in which everyone is taking part in it. Mm-hmm. I do think there's something different. Mm-hmm. You could accuse me of making a distinction without a difference. Maybe you'd be right. To me, it feels different. I also do think some acknowledgement of Coach K would be appropriate. There more than anywhere else because of what that rivalry has meant to the sport. And what it has meant to both sides. So I think that's a bad job. And again, I'm, I'm hesitant to go much further because I just don't feel like I know everything that happened. Again, I, I try and watch everything I can for you sitting here so that I can be as up on the, these topics as anyone could be. Um, but like I say, we had work that night. I, I, was, I was getting ready to do the Knicks and the Lakers. Um, and so I couldn't watch the game. So I didn't even know this happened. But one way or another, I do think that is... You, you said it right. You're the low, you are the lowest common denominator, and that was the, lo, that was the least good way mm. that that whole situation could have been handled. You can not make any you can make no video or no celebration of Coach K if you want to. You can chant nasty things at him, including a profanity if you want to. But that's the worst way you could have handled this. Let the record show. There were a lot of ways this could have been handled. That was the worst way. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Super Week obviously continues here. we got this NBA trade that people are getting excited about. C.J. McCollum dealt to New Orleans um, as we're just going through that and what that means for Portland, what it means for Damian Lillard perhaps and his future and all the rest of that. But, of course, the Super Bowl takes center stage this week. It's the Rams and the Bengals. And joining us now for the first time in a long time, and he is appearing on behalf of the 8th Annual Culinary Kickoff, benefiting the Culinary Institute of America. We'll talk about that and more in a moment is uh, the great Marshall Falk is back with us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Marshall Falk. Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Uh, We're doing great. It's a pleasure to have you back here. And I'm fascinated by all of this. You know, I really want to dive right into this with you because you have experience in this area. And, you know, when, when you look at a team like the Rams, they fascinate me. And I've been talking about this a lot on TV over the last week. Basketball has been a sport where historically, at least for the last 15 or 20 years, they put together these super teams. Sometimes we call them dream teams. And that tends to work Mm -hmm. because in basketball, you put together a few really good players and they're by and large going to win. In football, that traditionally has not worked. You put together a bunch of players who were great in other places and try and make it all work together. And and traditionally, it has not worked in football. If this does win, if the Rams win a championship here, by going out and getting Matthew Stafford and, and Von Miller and um, Odell Beckham Jr. And, and all the other guys that they've gone out and got. Do you believe that could be the beginning of sort of a new way of team building in the NFL? You know, um, it has to be the right group of guys, though. Uh, and, I, and I know what you're talking about. We've, we've seen it. Guys, you know, you go out in free agency and you get people or you make trades. And, and it doesn't always work out. I think the, the the components, the pieces that they got were, were both high-character, high-identity guys whom they had the same goal in mind that most people had. And then you throw Matthew Stafford in there, and it's like, okay, all right, cool. That's a trade. We, we, we upgraded at that position. And um, you just got to get the right parts. Les Snead has done a great job with that. We got to give him credit because we were like, oh, my God, the Rams, they're pushing all these chips in. They're going all in. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it, now we've seen it pay off. We saw when they took Cooper Cup away, Odell Beckham Jr. making big-time catches. And then when, okay, they want to, they, they, they chip and Floyd, they're doubling Donald. Well, there he is, Von Miller getting sacks. So every piece, every component has paid off. And that, that's not always the case. So I'm going to say, yes, it's going to be a trend that teams start to see. But the GM has to make the right move. They got to go get the right people. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if other teams try and do it because, to your point, many of them will fail for exactly the reason that you're describing. The other piece of the Rams, and obviously once upon a time you won a Super Bowl with them, um, the quarterback situation couldn't be more different, right? You've, you've got, you, you won it with a, with a quarterback who was the MVP of the league that year, if I remember correctly, when Kurt and you guys won it that year, but he came from nowhere. As opposed to, in this case, you got Matt Stafford, who has been around the league for such a long time and is finally getting this opportunity after all those years in Detroit. People will talk about the pressure that exists on him. 
how does that manifest itself? Like, what difference when the game starts? What difference does the pressure actually make on a guy like Stafford? Um, you know, I, I don't think the pressure is when the game starts. I think the pressure is before the game starts. Mm. It's 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 all of the hoopla, that uh, the the noise that you, you you try not to listen to, and by trying not to listen to it, you're doing something different than you normally do. And and that's 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 what I'm thinking about. I believe when the game starts, it's like okay, now I got to play. And that's what you want. That's all you want to do is play. Um, I, I was, I, I, and I'm going to continue to talk about this. In this, in this scenario, big game, all the chips are in, stakes. Um, Joe Burrow, he's been in, he's done it in these games. Mm-hmm. He did it. He won the national championship. So he's been on the big stage. And I think the pressure is the pressure um, of expectation of him, what he's supposed to do. It's it's 100 percent on on Matthew Stafford. Well, you couldn't be more right. In fact, we put together this stat the other day. If you include the games he played in college at Alabama, which was a de facto you know playoff game, the game in the SEC championship game against Georgia, and then the two college football playoff games plus the three NFL playoff games he's played in those seven games, he's seven and zero. 23 touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's averaging 363 yards passing per game. So what is that quality, Marshall? I mean, you've been around forever, and you've seen great ones and ones who didn't rise. What is the quality in someone as young as he is who manages to be at his very best in the biggest games? Yeah, he, he knows who he is. He's comfortable in his own skin, and he's confident about what he can do with the football. And when you have those three elements, that's all you have to do is just go out and play. You're you're playing a game and you're reacting. You're reacting to the things that you've always done. Um, you know, people people thought Tom Brady was, you know, superhuman. No, he just prepared prepared his butt off for every, any and everything that can happen, mm-hmm. and he just went out and played and let the game come to him. And that's what I see Burrow doing. He's you know he's young. He'll force it every once in a while, but but for the most part, he's just making plays. Marshall Falk is with us here on ESPN Radio. You know, we had a good debate on the TV show this morning as to whether or not, if, if the look, the Ram pass rush is going to be a factor in this game. It, it's it's unavoidable. They're as good in that that front as any team in the NFL. The the Bengals gave up nine sacks and won a playoff game against Tennessee. And so I've got people on one on one side. I got people telling me if the Rams' defensive line wrecks this game, the Bengals have no chance. And I got the other side telling me the Bengals have won in that circumstance before. Burrow doesn't seem to blink. Which side of this do you fall on as far as if the Ram pass rush is what we sort of expect them to be? What does that do to the game? The Rams can't expect their pass rush to be what affects Burrow only because they're not going to get home all the time. Mm-hmm. And when they don't get home, they have to on the back end be prepared because they are explosive. And, and, and I listen, man, I'm a, I, I watched, I watched the game. I saw the nine sacks. Most quarterbacks after about three or four sacks, they fold like lawn chairs. You cannot, you, you cannot. I mean, if, if, if I was coaching the Bengals, and, and I, they're, they're talking about this vaunted pass rush, I'd be like, hey, guys, listen, they're going to get there. We gave up nine sacks in one. Let's not allow what we know is going to happen to be the thing that wins the game. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I, I, I don't know what else to say besides when a team gives up nine sacks and you win a ball game, 
that is unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. And Hembo, had it ever happened before? Was that the most sacks a quarterback ever took in a playoff game and won? Yes, that's correct. So it had, literally, Marshall had <laughs> never happened before. The Hall of Famer Marshall Falk is with us here on ESPN Radio. Before we get to your program, what do you expect to happen? You've got, you've got the quarterback in Stafford, actually, who threw the most picks of any quarterback in the league this year against the quarterback in Burrow, who got sacked the most times. So you got you know a little bit on one side, a little bit on the other. How do you see the game? What do you expect? All right. <laughs> oh man, I, uh, I I I like a close game, uh, but I I think um, if if we talk if we talk points and all of that, um, I, w- I would take the Rams giving four with the over because I think that I think that some points will be put up. I just I just expect both of these quarterbacks to come out and just be who they are, hmm. be who they are. And um, Stafford is going to try to avoid throwing interceptions, but he'll probably throw one. And Burrow is going to try to avoid getting sacked, and he'll probably get sacked a lot. But when those things are not happening, they quarterback their team pretty damn good. And I see a pretty close game, high scoring. And and so he likes the over. Hembo's typing it up here. A hundred dollars on the Rams plus the over be a payout of three hundred and sixty bucks <laughs> at Caesars if you get it right. The great Marshall Falk is here. And again, the program. And this was always my favorite one. This my biggest regret not being out there this year was not getting all of this food. It's the eighth annual culinary kickoff benefiting the Culinary Institute of America. It's coming up this week. They launched it about a decade ago. It kicks off the weekend of festivities at the Super Bowl with an exclusive event with huge chefs and all this stuff. And I know there's a charitable component connected to it as well that is really important go ahead marshall tell everybody about it yeah culinary kickoff um it's it, you know we've been doing it for a while now great charitable event we literally provide scholarships for, for chefs we go into the to the different cities where the super bowl is and we we find world-class event this year it's going to be the uh, the porsche 911 driving center um some of our guests, they'll get the experience of going on the track. Um, we also made sure because you're in California, you have to make sure people are vaccinated and all of that stuff, and they get COVID tested. And um, we're going to have a lot of our former players there, a bunch of them whom are with the NFL alumni that that, that kind of tried to help people get that done so it's not an issue for them. But all in all, you know, with the NFL alumni, um, with the culinary kickoff and all the stuff that we're doing, we're going we're to keep people safe. We're going to have a good time, um, drink a lot of wine, hmm. eat a lot of good food, hmm. and, uh, and, and do an amazing event. Well, that's the part of it that I regret <laughs> not being there to partake in some of that with you. Hey, Marshall, it's a pleasure. Enjoy the week. Best of luck with the, with the event here and everything else. And enjoy the game. And I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for doing this. Have a good one. All right, that's Marshall Falk again, the Hall of Famer, and I, I find his insight really good. I, you know, he he he's thoughtful, and he's I think he's a very good analyst, and and I think he made some interesting points there about the game and about Burrow itself. And you were the one who said this to me yesterday, Hembo. Is you've got the most sacked quarterback against the most picked quarterback, most intercepted quarterback. Which one of those quote unquote weaknesses? I guess they are weaknesses. Which one of those weaknesses becomes the one that decides the game? Because it kind of feels like it will. Burrow will be under pressure. The question is, does the Ram front wreck the game? And if not, Stafford, he's going to have, you know, there's a real chance he throws a couple of picks or at least one. Does he throw the one that winds up costing his team the game in the bad moment? Th- those to me 
are where this game winds up being decided. Yeah, I agree. And, and <clears throat> we could be having a totally different conversation had Jaquaski Tart caught that interception that Matthew Stafford threw yeah. in the NFC Championship game. If history is any indication, he's going to throw two or three passes that could be interceptable. And the Bengals have done a great job this postseason in capitalizing on those opportunities. The narrative I don't like on the Burrow side is that he took nine sacks and won the game. Yes, he won the game, but he scored 19 points and Evan McPherson made four field goals. Ryan Tannehill threw three picks. They didn't win the game because of Joe Burrow. They happened to win and he took nine sacks. So there's no chance he could take probably even half that and still win the Super Bowl. Yeah, as Dominique said, uh, taking nine sacks and still winning is not a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right? That's, That's not right. how you go about uh-huh. trying to win a game. All right, in the time I've got left, I want to do my green list today, guys, because I, I put together some NBA notes. You know, as we work our way out of the football season and, and start focusing our attention in a little bit more specifically on the NBA season, I am hosting the NBA show now, as hopefully most of you know. And as a result, I am sent... An unbelievable packet of NBA notes every morning. I wake up to them. Matt Williams is our researcher. He's the hembo, if you will, of the NBA show. And he's terrific. And so I put together today a list of five notes from the NBA. This was before the McCollum trade that you absolutely should know. We'll do it as a green list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Green list. All right, it's a green list. The top five, this, that, or the other, is voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. Here are the five NBA notes you absolutely should know. Number five. DeMar DeRozan scored 38 points last night in a loss to Phoenix. He has now scored 83 points in the last two games. Listen to this. That is the most points over a two-game span that any player since Allen Iverson in 2007 has had without making a single three. He's had 83 points in his last two games. None of them came from the three-point line. He is the king of the mid-range, and he is, he is single-handedly keeping that in style all the way to a starting spot in the NBA All-Star game. However, number four, they keep losing now because one thing that is clear for the Bulls is their defense has fallen apart without Caruso and Ball. They lost Alice Caruso on a dirty, cheap shot play from Grayson Allen, and they lose Lonzo Ball. Since the first game that both of them missed, the Bulls are 28th in the league in defensive efficiency. That's a team that was a good defensive team, but they lose two of their most important players, and that's been part of the reason they have fallen back to the pack. Five notes you need to know from the NBA. Number three. DeJounte Murray and LaMelo Ball were named replacements for the All-Star game, taking the spot of Draymond and Kevin Durant, who were hurt. Ball becomes the youngest all-star since LeBron James in 2005. How about that? LaMelo Ball, who was so much better than I thought he'd be, I will totally confess. Maybe it was a little bit of Ball family fatigue. For whatever reason, I just thought he was going to be more hype than than player. I couldn't have been more wrong. He's terrific. Again, he's the youngest all-star since LeBron in 2005. Number two. The Suns have the best record in the NBA. They've won 13 of their last 14. Meanwhile, Golden State has won nine straight, which is the longest win streak in the NBA right now. The West is a two-horse race, right? It's those two teams. I know Phoenix is good. I know Memphis is a great story. Those two teams are elite and are going to battle it out to the end. Number one. But I saved the worst for last, just for you, Nuno. The Knicks are 2-9 and nine in their last 11 games, and they're about to get much worse. In their next 14 games, the schedule is brutal. They play the Warriors, the Suns, the Sixers twice, the Nets twice, the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Mavericks, and the Nuggets. 
This also includes the final three games of this road trip and then another seven-game trip after the All-Star break. You can bing-bong all you want, Nuno. You got big trouble right now for your beloved You can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. I, I wish we had more time for this. We're out of time. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.